0: Hi, welcome to The Kicker. I'm Kyle Pope, editor and publisher of the Columbia Journalism Review. This week, inside the Pulitzer Prizes. On Monday, uh, just a few floors down from the CJR offices at the Columbia J School, the 2019 class of the Pulitzers were announced, uh, making for very good days for uh, some people and very sad days for other people. Um, We're going to spend the next couple of weeks digging into a few of the winners Um, And we thought this week to start with um, one of the most talked about stories, really, of the last year, which is the New York Times' um, very deep investigation into the Trump family business. Um, I'm thrilled to be joined uh, by Suzanne Craig, who was one of the three reporters on that piece and one of the Pulitzer winners. Uh, Congrats, Suzanne.
1: Thank you very much. It's still a bit... uh... Shock, shocking surprising to hear that
0: so well first off we should just put on the table that um sue and i worked together at the wall street journal for quite a while and i've stayed in touch and i'm and personally just thrilled for you
1: thank you very much no it's uh yeah it's incredible just to hear from so many people too who yeah. you know have worked with me over the years and just every it was just a nice like happy occasion but i think as a journalist you never sort of even kind of dare to dream a lot that you'd get that prize even after you've done something, you know, that's taken 18 months.
0: Let's just start by talking about Monday. I've been around long enough. I sort of know how these things work, um, that word starts to sort of leak out and that, you know, news organizations start to prepare and people's spouses mysteriously show up. Um, (laughs) Did you know before Monday that this was happening?
1: Rumblings on the weekend, but I think you still don't really until you hear it announced at Columbia at three in the afternoon on that Monday. You just don't believe it. Like it's sort of, you know, there's just I think there's just a disconnect. And I guess as a journalist, I'm always like, you know, I want twenty sources on everything. So <laughs> it was just good to hear it announced.
0: <laughs> it's, a, it's a tough situation too, especially at the times because you're, you know, you get this news. It's amazing. It's it's. Personal and it's amazingly satisfying, but then you immediately have to sort of stand before hundreds of people and say some smart things.
1: I think, as you know, reporters, it's weird because we're not public speakers. We actually probably, you know, get into this because we want to interview people that you know do the public speaking and are out in the cameras, and we're not. Mm-hmm. Saying It was nerve wracking for me,
0: oh. um, for sure. What did you say? <laughs> so, I
1: mean, I really, in my heart, feel you know so many things about that piece and about you know what happened and the lie that we found that Donald Trump was. Hiding and and and, you know actively deceiving people on for years, and there was just a lot I wanted to say about that and about the importance of what we do. So trying to get all that together
0: was pretty tough. What did you say in in those remarks to the newsroom on Monday?
1: This is sort of the thing that I found really powerful about our our story was two things. One, and it's why it's such a to me such a special story is it really did just start with a simple question about Donald Trump's wealth and how he made money in 2005 that we. We' asking that question after David K. Johnson, a former reporter from The Times, was mailed three pages of his tax returns in early two thousand and seventeen. We just couldn't believe it given what we knew about Donald Trump's wealth that he'd made money and we started you know just peel back the sort of the layers of that onion and, and started to find out more and more about Fred Trump and you know from there you know found out ultimately all the tax shenanigans. but what was the most important thing to me was simple thing of you know he has been actively lying about the origins of his wealth for his whole life. And it just goes to show not only, you know, how much he was lying about and how much wasn't known about him by the time he got to the White House. So that story really, it gives me hope that there's still, you know, there's so much more when we wake up in the morning, no matter how hard the day feels, that there's a lot more there to find.
0: Yeah. I mean, that's what made this, I mean, I wrote a piece right after you guys ran the story and CJR basically like trying to really get people to focus on this. And I'm really curious for your reaction to this now, in light of the Pulitzer and and the long months that have followed, like there was a crazy initial reaction, both on the right and the left to the piece. On the right, the reaction was rather predictable, I think, which was you know it's the Times they made it up and blah blah blah, um, which we don't really need to get into that much. But the reaction on the part of the left, even even among media people, was really interesting, which was. One, either we knew a lot of this, which I think was false, or yeah. uh, why are we just learning about this now? It's outrageous that The Times didn't run this before the election and sort of, oh, that this was some kind of uh, plan to hold back information that could have affected the outcome of the election. I thought the whole thing was sort of outrageous, but I was wondering sort well, on of— on both you, sides, yeah. Yeah, on both I mean, sides. If we how?
1: had it, we would have run it. I mean, it took us forever to do the story. Like, it just—it's not—Donald Trump was— I actually think that when you, I think it's really important the reaction on the left because, you know, I was a reporter early in 2016 covering Trump's finances um, for the Times.
0: You got the famous um, stuff in your mailbox. Yeah, the tax, the
1: 90, 1995 tax returns right at the end of, of that year, right before the election. And that whole year it was interesting because you sort of think Hillary Clinton spent her, you know, her, most of her career in the public spotlight and just had a different level of scrutiny. He lived his whole life in the public spotlight a lot was written about him and nothing was scrutinized. Yeah. Like it was just incredible how the media early on bought into his... You know, we write about it in the story, including the New York Times, his narrative that he was a self-made man and yeah. that he was worth hundreds of millions when he was in his twenties and on and on. And it, I think it takes time for, for, especially when he's actively hiding his tax returns from public view. And tax returns are just one piece of the puzzle. But there's just a lot there that's not known about his financial dealings, um, you know, by design. Yeah. We spent months and months just deciphering the tax codes from the years that we had and trying to understand what was going on and, you know, found out so much, and not just about the fraud, but even, you know, that incredible scene in the story. It's one of my favorites where, you know, in, at the depth of his troubles, he sends a lawyer to his father's house and tries to have – the will, his father's will, change so it uh-huh. would benefit him. Uh-huh. Like just these incredible, chilling moments between a father and a son after everything Fred Trump did for him.
0: Yeah, he, what he, he did for Trump, him. He, he, You guys report that he funneled two hundred thousand dollars a year to Donald from the time Donald was three.
1: Starting when he was just three years old, there was a trust <laughs> set up for him, and then going and then forward, he pissed. It, you know, then
0: he managed to piss it away.
1: All of it away. Yeah, and it's incredible. Every every bet that guy made. He had no, no worry. It wasn't going to be covered, and it was going to be covered by his father. The other criticism was, well, we ran it in the middle of the Kavanaugh hearings, right? And so it kind of got buried. I'm not sure. No matter when we ran it, it would have got much more oxygen. Mm -hmm. I think that we, you know, we we were the only ones who had access to the documents, and you know, I think New York City and New York State are looking at various issues now to do with, you know, are there more taxes owed because of some of the valuation games that were being played? But for the most part, the IRS is not going to look at a Mm 20-year-old case like. I don't expect I didn't we didn't necessarily expect, you know, there to be charges immediately or anything. But it certainly would have in any other president, I think, taken up a lot more time.
0: Yeah. I mean, there's so many interesting kind of media thoughts that stem from this. There was a lot of, you know, after the initial like there was some back and forth, which we just talked about between the left and the right. But then there was this sort of whatever you want to view it as a backlash to that, which was a lot of frustration on a lot of part a part of a lot of people, including us which was, why isn't this getting more traction, or why aren't more people paying attention to it? Did you share that frustration, or were you like, I did my job, it's out there, now it's up to the world in terms of how it's digested?
1: I think I, think kind of maybe, I always sort of feel like it's sort of up to other people to, to to take from it what they want. Our job was to get that depressed, but you also do feel when you see, I just feel as a person I felt very strongly about the stuff we'd found and how wrong it was, um, that it would have been, I think under any other presidency would have received more attention. I think for the most part, you know, from their point of view, I mean, they made a decision not really to talk about it. Um,
0: Who's they? Who's they? The the White House.
1: The the White House Mm -hmm. said very little about it. Mm -hmm. Um, Why give it any more attention? Um, And then, and I think the other thing that was, I think it had a life. I think it had a lifespan of two to three to four days in the media solely because there was nothing else for other people to follow unless they had documents. So it wasn't like we had, you know, another story coming out a week later or two weeks later to keep it going or CNN or The Washington Post could have followed it with another big story on Fred Trump's wealth. Like it sort of started and then, you know, it stopped.
0: And it just speaks to this whole idea that um, the media too often... Um, let's Trump dictate the news cycle. I mean, in, in this case, usually it's that they keep writing about stuff just because Trump says it, even even though it, even if it's repetitive and doesn't add anything. In this case, it was the opposite. They didn't write it because Trump didn't say it. Um, yeah, it both is, are wrong.
1: Yeah, you're right on that. Yeah. Um, if everything's a, far, a five alarm fire at a certain point with the president, then nothing is right. I mean, it's the the and sometimes the inability to to think about it for a while and to, to say what's important and what's not and to sort of just give it some thought.
0: Yeah. You mentioned um, earlier that um, the piece was not shy about pointing out the Times' own role historically in sort of furthering this myth about Trump as a self-made man and and had done some of the early, I remember, I think it was a New York Times Magazine story, right? One of the early kind of celebratory pieces of of Trump as a kind of business genius. Clearly, the reporters missed the boat for a very, very, very long time. Um, I think that that did it make you so despair?
1: We, yeah, we sat, we, the three report, the three of us um, that wrote the project, uh, Russ Butner and David Barstow were the other reporters. We were in a room on the fourth floor of the New York Times. We would sit there during the day, and a lot of times we were working on various projects and going through numbers and spreadsheets and trying to figure things out and we would just sit quietly and work but we were in the same room and i would put on interviews from donald trump i'd find them on the internet and we would play them sometimes they would run for an hour and a half sometimes they were 20 minutes we listened to everything he said for 20 years we had a lot of time and that combined with what was printed was just in just the coverage was just fawning like including in our own newspaper and we couldn't we were interested in it partly just for that and for the lack of scrutiny but then the other interesting part was how donald trump did it like he started in the 1970s when he was just out of university and all of a sudden he was telling the new york times he was worth more than 200 million dollars and he takes the reporter around and shows the reporter all of the projects that he owns and works on and they were all his dad's and then so he appropriates the wealth he gets himself on all these you know richest men in america lists, and then his next turn is to start minimizing his father. Well, he's, you know, he's just a Brooklyn, Queens developer. He never wanted to go into Manhattan. And then, you know, begins the storyline, too. The, the Kind of the third thing going through there is I got very little help from my father.
0: Uh-huh. I mean, if we
1: heard that once, we heard it a hundred times, and we actually put together a video, ultimately, of all of those quotes that we called from that year of listening to his interviews.
0: Mm-hmm. What do you attribute all that to? Is it just um, laziness, or is it... Your reporters sort of want—they're you know they just so hungry for that rags-to-riches thing?
1: I think a, a little bit of the latter. And then I also think Donald Trump was never somebody in New York um, that reporters, for the most part, and there are exceptions to that, um, Tim O'Brien, David K. Johnson, Wayne Barrett, and others are, are journalists that fall into that category.
0: Gwenda Blair. Part, I
1: think he was covered—yeah, Gwenda Blair. He, but he, he, I think even Gwenda Blair— like, yeah, all of them, I think, caught pieces of that. Uh-huh. But I think the um, I think for the most part, is it, my point really isn't that. My point is more writ large. He was not running a publicly traded company, and he was treated more as a celebrity right. in New York. And so I think there was the casino stuff, but the focus then wasn't sort of on him and, and digging into sort of the, some of the backstory of his finances. He was running the casinos, and that was covered, and I think that's where a lot of the people, uh, you know, Tim, among them, Tim O'Brien, among them, really dug into his finance. But I just, I think it wasn't, it was sort of how he was viewed. I mean, you and I both worked at the Wall Street Journal and and covered finance, and the focus is always, for the most part, on publicly traded companies. And I think the people who run them are taken. Those companies are just of much, uh, there's much more information about them, but also they're covered more carefully.
0: Well, I think there's also something here about um, success porn, um which you oh
1: absolutely like we would watch we would watch interviews where he was taking tv reporters up in his helicopter and they were doing interviews in there and it it was just so fawning we were like what is going on here like to see all these things as they happen you know it it was incredible just to see it like we i mean we spent a lot of time thinking about it while we were thinking about the other parts of the story, because we were just listening to these interviews and we couldn't believe it.
0: Yeah, but we've learned um, so much, so few would lessons. Have I mean, in his
1: apartment, you know.
0: He, I know, the, but look at the coverage yeah. of Mark Zuckerberg. It's the same thing. Um,
1: yeah, because there's a celebrity factor that you know is. Yeah. I think with Donald Trump, it's even more acute. And you look at where he ended up with The Apprentice, and that's actually where he's probably made most of his money outside of his father. Right? He went from his father dying to, you know, the person who I think you know made him second, which was, you know. Um, you know, is the apprentice
0: is that true is that a fact that he made that, that those are the two biggest sources of his wealth
1: I, i'm I'm sure of it without knowing the finance that's the crazy that that's crazy so he's made,
0: basically a he was
1: really on the ropes up until two thousand you know even beyond two thousand until he you know was able to access um, a lot of his father's wealth and then he walked right into the apprentice, which was a huge money maker
0: for him crazy so um How have you seen, I'm curious how you, you know, because this, how you've seen the findings of your reporting sort of seep into the culture or seep into the conversation when it comes to Trump? I mean, you must still see a lot of references, even outside of the right, to him being a business genius or...
1: Well, it's interesting, because when you see even him being called a billionaire, it you know, that's a phrase to be really careful with. We just don't know that he is. He might uh-huh. be, he might not be. But I think since our story ran, one of the things that I think has been most important, and you sort of talked it, you know a bit earlier about impact, I think it has seeped into the bloodstream of the country. Mm-hmm. I mean, people now reference his father, the inherited wealth, um, you know, things we hadn't seen before. And I, I just think his narrative as being a self made billionaire was shattered with that story. I, I don't think that that's something that anybody... Now goes back to and actually could believe it, and I because I think one of the powerful things about the story was it was told with their own documents. Like we yeah. got the family's documents and tax returns and yeah. estate tax returns, and we had Fred Trump's gift
0: returns from nineteen, you know, from
1: the nineteen forties forward. Yeah, um, and that's that's why the the story was just so powerful and so impossible to refute.
0: Yeah, um, it was amazing. Um, so. Um, without, I mean, you don't want to give me your story list going forward, but um, I am (laughs) am curious um, what you think, I mean, what's a similar, what are the other kind of similar myths um, around this presidency that you think are still sort of unexplored?
1: Well, I think there's a lot of stories we'd like to get at. I mean, I think one of the things that, you know, I don't want to talk, you know, it's not an isolation of others, but I think we still don't know a lot about now his finances in the modern area, modern era. And I would put that, mm. you know, starting at 2005 mm. to today, even simple questions about how profitable, if at all, are his companies. Mm-hmm. Um, he's in some pretty tough businesses, including golf courses, and um, we just don't know what they're making. And he has, you know, pushed this idea that, you know, he is, he's made huge amounts of wealth in the last, you know, 15, 20 years, and separating how much of that comes from his businesses versus, um, you know, the, you know, initially the apprentice and marketing, just to kind of know the businessness, business mixes and the profitability of each would be an incredible thing. And also, I think there's a question, and we, we didn't get at it because we didn't see anything. Um, we didn't have access to his tax returns. But just the amount of foreign money that is coming in and how much of that would be um, you'd be able to see on his tax returns would be incredible to know. You know, To get that, we need to not only just see the, the first few pages of the 1040, the main tax form, but the schedules.
0: Yeah. If you were to guess, would you guess that he's probably made more money since he came into the presidency than the two or three years before?
1: No, I think he, and he's talked about this and his children have talked about this. I think that their businesses have suffered. Uh-huh. Um,
0: despite, despite what you suspect may be... Money coming in from foreign sources.
1: We just don't know on the foreign sources, and I'm really yeah. careful. Just yeah,
0: no, no, I hear you. I hear you.
1: You know th- you mentioned the foreign money. When I think now of foreign money, in terms of since he got into the White House, I just think there's a lot of foreign governments and stuff staying yeah. in his hotels in order to curry yeah. favor. That's a separate thing. But I think since they got in, or since he he got into the White House, I think I, I think his businesses are probably taking a hit. That would be my guess.
0: Well, the other, it, of the it,
1: backlash of his presidency and the. You know just how divisive his 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 rhetoric is. I think it's just hurt him, yeah, on on that front for sure.
0: All right, Sue. Well, this was great. I'm, I'm very, very happy for you. Congratulations. Are you going to take, do you, do you, when you get a Pulitzer Prize at the Times, do, you, do they tell you not to come to work for a week or two? you get time off?
1: Yeah, I, I, I'm off today, but I'm answering. I've I hate it when my email's four days behind. Uh-huh. So I'm answering emails. And I've got some family and so I'm kind of running everybody around. But they've promised me some time off once kind of July, August hits. So right. we're trying to do another story. But
0: Congrats and um, enjoy.
1: Okay, great. Thank you very much. I appreciate
0: it. So for for more Pulitzer coverage um, and as well as the piece that I mentioned that I'd written about this Times investigation when it first um, was published, uh, go to CJR.org and join us next week for more coverage of Pulitzer winners. Um, And uh, finally, check out on CJR.org information about two upcoming events that we have. One is a conference about the coverage of climate change and how We need to rethink how we tell that story, which I think is really interesting. That's on April 30th, and you can register at cgr.org. And the other one is on May 9th, a kickoff um, for a conference on ethics and technology, which is on May 9th. But again, you can register on cgr.org. Thank you very much. See you next week.